We're starting a new series this morning called Anchored. Anchored. And you know, it's important that we become anchored in basic truths in the Word of God. You know, if I were to come up to you and say, what is the definition of justification? And what is the definition of sanctification? And tell me the difference between the two. Can you explain it to me? Would you be able to? And I'm sure many of you could. Maybe most of you can. But undoubtedly, there's some of us that cannot. We could not define justification or sanctification. We wouldn't be able to. But although we know a lot of the truth and a lot of basic truth in the Word of God, we need to make sure that we have a good and clear understanding and be anchored in the Word of God. How many could say amen to that? So some of us are anchored in these truths, and some of us are not. But we've all got to be anchored. Let me just say up front, maybe you know these basic truths, and you are just, you're like a Bible scholar almost. You, you, you know justification, sanctification, and all these, you know, regeneration, redemption. I mean, you name it, all the shuns, you know. You know all those words, and you know what they all mean, and you've got a really good handle on it. And you're like, oh, do we have to go through this? Don't worry. There's going to be some good stuff for you in this series. Now, this morning, I, I, I want to teach. I want to teach. Now, if I accidentally start preaching, is that okay? All right. So we may have a little bit of that. But I, I, can, I can tell you now, next week, I'm going to do some preaching. We're going to preach. But we've got to set a foundation a little bit first this morning. And so if, if you came this morning, you're like, man... Oh, Pastor TJ, he just gets on fire, hallelujah, and he just preaches like his coattails are on fire, you know. Well, that's probably not happening this morning, but come next week, hey, and maybe it'll be like that, and maybe you'll just get in the spiritual thing, and you'll just see a Holy Ghost flame or something coming out from these, I don't know. Uh, You know, what I want to tell you, you know, preaching, teaching, they're both good, and they both have their place, Uh, and, and we need them both. And last week, we heard a, a wonderful message by Pastor Tim Polis. He was with us, and he preached. Amen? He preached. So today, we're going to teach. Not that we have to go back and forth 50-50, but today, uh, I, I want to teach. But before I get started and we dive right in on this uh, message series called Anchored, let's just pray one more time. Father, this morning, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're showing us. Lord, I think if we could just open up our hearts to be able to receive from you the truth that you have Lord, as I've studied, as I've learned, as those here who have already studied and learned, Lord, may it just wash us again with your word in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that all distractions are gone and we can focus on you. Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to start in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, and it says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in hope of the glory of God. These two verses have so much in it that we could probably, and and many of the scriptures be like, we could just stay on those for a long, long time. But I want to focus on verse 1, this word called justified. And when you look at the Greek, this word justified, it means to render just or innocent free, justify, be righteous. 
So when God justifies people, he puts his stamp of righteousness on you. And now he's done away with the sinful label and he has put a righteous label on you. A while back, I did a message called Stamp of Approval, or You Are Approved. And I was talking about, you know, God has put his stamp of approval on you. If you have given your life over to God, if you confess Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord, you are now approved in his sight. Amen? Amen. And that's the truth. Because of justification. Justification meaning I have been rendered just now or innocent justification takes place during salvation when you get saved when you confess with him when you give your life over to christ at that moment now you are justified and you can say i am justified in the past tense not the tv show i think there's a tv show called justified we ain't talking about that but we're talking about a supernatural one-time event when God justifies a person. It is a one-time. So if you say, I'm being justified, no, you were justified. If you are saved, you're justified. One-time event. And this is very important because, see, we have many who believe a little different and will mix in justification with sanctification and believe that justification is not a one-time event, but that you have to keep going with it. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But then we see in John 17, and in John chapter 17, the Lord is, you know, he's praying. Jesus is there with his disciples and many others, and he's praying. And he says this, sanctify, and this is part of the prayer, sanctify them, he's praying to the Father, through thy truth, thy word is truth. This word sanctify, it means to make holy, purify, consecrate, to set apart. And so when the scripture is talking about you and me being holy, you know, we've seen those scriptures where it says, be holy, and when we'll see those command statements, that's sanctification, okay? Now, sanctification is not just a one-time event, although it begins at salvation as well. We have an initial, or what a lot of theologians will say, initial sanctification that takes place when you get saved. In other words, you are made holy. But sanctification doesn't stop at salvation. It continues on during the life of a believer. Now, I want to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, where, about, where it talks about the, uh, an initial sanctification. Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place called upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. You know, this is Paul. He's talking to the church in Corinth, and he's saying this, but notice the word sanctified is in the past tense. So he's referring to the initial sanctification that takes place. But sanctification is not just a one-time event. It continues on. And we'll talk about what most theologians talk about, three different stages of sanctification, and we'll be bringing that out next week briefly before we get into talking about faith. See, let me just say this now that I said that. What we learn, when we learn justification, we learn sanctification, when we understand our salvation, when we understand that our election is sure, 
Some of you understand these terms, some of you don't, but that's okay. When we understand and we're confident in in these truths that are in the Word of God, what that does is builds our faith. And that's the reason why we're doing this here, so that we can have our faith built. These young people who stood before us here earlier, they're about to get tested and tried. And if they're not grounded in these truths here, to make sure that they're, they are secure in their salvation, their belief system can change and their salvation can be robbed from them. The only way your salvation is robbed is your belief change is. Amen? All right. So why is, well, let's go back to justification. Why is justification so important? Well, let me read this statement here from Charles Spurgeon. He said this, Saving faith is an immediate relation to Christ, accepting, receiving, resting upon Him alone for justification, sanctification, and eternal life by virtue of God's grace. Notice what he put here when he was talking about saving faith. Immediate relation What happens when you get justified is now you are birthed into the family of God. You are born again. That's what the scripture calls. So now I am a child in the family of God right there at that moment. I am immediately, immediately in the family just like that. You know, when they go, when you're wanting to adopt, you go through a process Well, see, the salvation process is a whole lot quicker than our adoption process. However, there comes a point in time at the adoption process where you get down to where you sign the papers. And once you sign the papers, it's official. It's official. And see, once you believe... And we know that in Romans, Paul said, to be saved, you confess with your mouth... That Jesus, that's like signing that paper into the family of God. Amen. And see, you know, that, that adoption process, you have all these steps before you get to signing the paper. You can't just go in and go, uh, I think I want that one and that one. Where do I sign? It's not that simple. You have all these, all these steps and things. And, you know, when I get a little nervous when someone who's never heard anything just says, I want to be saved. Let's pray now. I, I, I get a little nervous. Well, what do you mean? What do you know? Have you, have you gone through? Have, have, do you really know what you're doing? Do you understand? You say, well, TJ, I don't know what you mean. I just, let's just get him to pray right away. Let me give you an example. There was one, young, uh, one man who came to the altar one time, and, and he wanted to give you know, his life over to the Lord, so he thought. But then I told him what that meant. And after I told him what that meant, because he was ready to pray the prayer, but then I began to go through the steps of what that means, of how that when you're saved, you're professing him as Lord. This is a, now a lifestyle. Once he saw all of that, he said, wait a minute, I don't know if I want to do that, and literally said he couldn't do it and walked away. Now, see, I'm glad that the Holy Spirit prompted me on the inside to start talking to him before just praying the prayer. 
because we need to go into it with a clear understanding. When you go to, well, you know, to adopt a child, they're going to make sure that you understand what you're doing. They're going to vet you. They're going to do all these things. This is probably before you sign the line. Now, when we know and we understand what Christ has really done for us, and we understand the magnitude of what the Father did by sending His Son. And we pray that prayer. We confess with our mouth. We believe in our heart that Jesus come. We have been justified. In other words, now I was guilty. Now I'm innocent. It doesn't matter what I did. It doesn't matter about your past. It doesn't matter what you've done. It's all gone. Now, somebody else may hold it against you, but God no longer is. He throws your sin in the sea of forgetfulness. Amen. In other words, and what that means, does God really forget? I mean, he knows all. Does he, what that means is he's not holding it against you. It's like he's that judge that puts the gavel down. Bam! You're innocent. I no longer will hold this charge against you. It is over. There's no double jeopardies. <laughs> none of that kind of stuff. There's none of that. So this is, and, and in 2 Corinthians 5.21, we see this as well. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. See, this is a supernatural work, justification, and this is, there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. Nothing. And this is why it's so important to know what justification means. You will have others, you know those ones that come around to your door called the, uh, the Jehovah Witness, and they come to your door? See, they don't believe in justification in the way that we believe it. They don't believe that justification is a one-time act. They believe it is always going on. It is continual. The reason they're coming and knocking at your door is because they're taught that they have to to earn their salvation. How many is here this morning? But see, we don't have to earn our salvation. Amen. Look, church, I know, you know you've heard this, but this is good news. This is really good news because I don't have to do anything to be in the house. Look, Joshua doesn't have to do anything. Christopher doesn't have to do anything to be my sons. They just are. They became the moment they were born, and I watched them come out. Okay, so the moment they were born... I watched and said, that's my son. The moment they were born, they're my son. He's my son. That's it. There's nothing he can do that will change that. He stays in my house. We've got to stay in the house of God. Right? Now, this is positional. See, that's what it says when we says we become this word become means to cause to be or come into an existence. You can't do that. God does it. He does it. We believe, and there's just something that takes place on the inside. By a show of hands, how many could say here, when you believed, maybe you prayed a prayer, you did something, you looked up to God, and you said, I believe, you felt something just a little different on the inside. How many could just say that and testify to that? Amen. Amen. You felt something different. You felt it. You were like, man, I'm different now. Look, when you go and adopt a child, you take that child out of that adoption agency and you bring him home, that's a totally different environment for that young man or young woman. They, they're like, what's going on? 
This is different. Wow, I like this. I got a mom and dad who loves me. I said, man, when this happens, when this supernatural work takes place and I become, man, I said, man, I like this. I like this feeling because God doesn't care. My father now doesn't care what I did. He looks at me with love and I don't have to do anything to earn my, my way here. He, I just am. I am a child in the house. Amen. That's it. Oh, man, that's good news. That's really good news. This is why Jerry Bridges, he's a Christian author, he says this, to be justified means more than to be declared just not guilty. It actually means to be declared righteous before God. It means God has imputed or changed the guilt of our sin to his son, Jesus Christ, and has imputed or credited Christ's righteousness to us. What did we read just a minute ago in 2 Corinthians? That we might become the righteousness of God. I now can say that I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ, who came and died for my sin. I have now become that. I have come into existence as a new individual. I have been justified. I no longer have to do anything else to be in the house of God, to be a child of God. Amen? Now, in Galatians 2.16, it says this, a man is not justified by the works of the law. So we see it when we back this up. But through faith... In Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Again, we can't earn it. That's the way it was done before Christ came to the cross. Everybody had to go through hoops. Guys, we're not circus dogs anymore. (laughs) We're not jumping through hoops. We don't have to do anything. We are just saved child in the house. In John chapter 10, this brings it home just a little bit more, and this will also bring out a question that always gets asked. So let me, let's do it. This is the, this is the fun part of the message. John 10, 24, the Jews then gathered around him and were saying to him, being this is Christ, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, And you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will what? Never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. Being justified gives us eternal salvation. No one can snatch you from the hands of the Father. Because of justification, we can be eternally secure. I don't have to worry. I don't have to lay my head down every night. Oh, Lord, God, just... Forgive me of any sin I did. I just, I'm not sure. I want to make sure I go to heaven. You know, my son in my house, my, my, my daughter, you know, they're not sitting there on pins and needles making sure that they do everything just right because if they don't, I might kick them out. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put my foot on their tail and kick them out. That's not going to happen. You say, well, now this brings the question. Does this mean those justified by grace can sin as much as they want. 
Short answer, no. Just in case you didn't get it. No. You know, we, we can't. Just because we are saved and eternally justified before God, that is no excuse to continue in the sin from which we were saved. Now, Paul. Paul was writing, and he was writing about this all the time. He was writing about being justified. He was writing about sanctification. He was writing about being more like Christ. He was writing about these things. He was writing about grace. He wrote about the law. He was always Why? Because the early Christians had a lot of questions. And he was also writing to these churches to correct, correct behavior. Like, hey, look, just because you're saved don't mean you can do X, Y, and Z. You need to stop that foolishness. Right? Now, look, Romans 6, we pick up here. And, and I can just imagine Paul and his, you know, just how he's coming across. He's like, listen, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? No! Verse 2. By no means. You know, that, that's Paul being like, why are you still sinning, man? Stop it! I mean, that, that's the way I read it. You know, that Paul, I'm feeling Paul, like, his attitude and what he's thinking. He's like, what are you doing? Stop! By no means are we to do this. How can we, who died to sin, still live in it? See, when we were justified, when we were saved, this one-time supernatural event, and we became, we were freed from something. We were freed from the bondage of sin. Because, see, sin is bondage. Why do we want to go live in that? And he's saying, do you not understand what Christ did? Don't you get it? He freed you. Why would you go want to be put back in bondage? Amen. Number three, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? In other words, we, our old self died the way we used to do things. Now we're new. You know, when you, when you adopt a child... You, they had certain rules where they were adopted from, but now you're in a new house. You got different set of rules. You got a different environment. You got something totally different. You can't do what you did over here, over here, and maybe some things you couldn't do over here. Sure, go right ahead. Probably in this house now, if anytime you want a drink, just go get one. Just go open the refrigerator. It's all good. Maybe where they came from, they had to ask permission to go do things like that. My kids never ask me permission to get a drink. If they do, they're liable to get hit. No, I'm kidding. I, w- I wouldn't hit it. But, but they're going to get a weird look from me. That is for sure. Like, what are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> you know, and they're going to get that weird look. Why in the world are you asking me about going to get a drink? Of course you can. Why not? Because they understand what they should do, can do, can't do. Can and can't? See, Paul's addressing this things like, there's some that they're not getting this. They're not understanding it. They don't get what they can do, what they can't do, what they're not. So he says this, verse 4, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. What's he saying? 
Forget that life. I got something a lot better for you. It's brand new. It's a totally different way of thinking. And guess what? It's a whole lot more liberating than what you were living before. Stop looking at this whole sin thing like God's taking away all my fun. Look, sin is like chocolate-covered feces. It looks great on the outside, and you're like, oh, give me that candy. I want some. And then you bite into it, and it's like, this ain't as good as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Why? I mean, this is what the enemy does. He entices us with this sin, and he chocolate coats it. You've heard the phrases, you heard the thing, you know, and all he can do is talk, and he's playing on our what? Our nature, flesh, our desire to do whatever we want, all those kind of things. And he's whispering in the ear, and he's like, yeah, it's just this one time, it ain't no big deal. How many know it's never just one time? All those who didn't raise their hand, we'll pray for you later. That was everybody. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, you know, Paul was saying this, and this is his attitude in Romans. Why? Because he knew about that universal law. You know, the one we've talked about before, you reap what you sow. And when you sow into sin, you reap destruction. And when you sow into the truths that are in the word, obedience to the word, you reap life. Every single time. That universal law will always ring true. So Paul was saying, why would you want to live in sin and be miserable? Let me, look, let me read this from my notes, this quote here. I couldn't find it from, this is Ed Cole taught us this, and I could not find it, so I, I hope I got it exact right. But if I didn't, the basic is here. Sin promises to please and liberate, but instead it enslaves and dominates. Isn't that true? We think we want to be free. We want to liberate ourselves. We want to be able to do what we want. But really, we get started and we realize now we're a slave to that sin. And it has dominated our life. That's what sin wants to do. And John 8, 34 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is this slave of sin. See, the word proves this over and over, and it all goes together. Paul, when he was writing, what was he doing? He was bringing the words of Jesus to life in, in a language. that they, It's like, listen, you got the law, you got grace, you got these things. You got to stop viewing this this way. In Hebrews, this really brings it home. This really brings it home. Hebrews 10, 26, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there, is no longer remain, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Well, we've read this verse before. What does that mean? That means if you sin right now, God's not getting, coming down, sending his son on the cross again to go through the process so that you can you know, be forgiven of that. Your sin is forgiven, past, present, and future. Amen. Now, do you still need to confess your sin? I do. But what I do is I say, God, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, my goodness. I'm turned. What does repent mean? It means to turn from. It doesn't mean for the blood to wash over your sins. That's not what repent means. Repent means think different. Think differently. Just like when you move from that, you know, the child moves from that adoption agency 
to an actual home, they have to think different. You are now a child of God. Think different. That's what repentance is. You're still here this morning. Amen? All right. Verse 28, or verse 27. But a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? This is heavy. Here's what he's saying. Under the law of Moses, when you broke the law under two, three witnesses, this is what happened. Many times you got stoned. There were different punishments. I mean, it was bad. And he says, how much worse do you think the punishment's going to be if you pray that prayer? Oh, Lord, forgive me of all my sins. Lord, I believe in you. I believe. I believe. Hallelujah. What can I do? And you go out looking to just sin, whatever, and just do I am free. What did he say? What did he say? You're trampling. Let's read it one more time. Verse 29. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled under the foot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? That's heavy-duty stuff. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. He's called us to sanctification. In other words, he's called us to holiness. What did he call us to? Newness of life. Think different. Got to change the way I act, the way I think, the way I am, because I am a child of God. It's not about Church, hear me this morning. This is not about heaven and hell. This is taking your rightful place as a son or daughter in the house of God and advancing the kingdom of God or sitting on your hands and doing nothing and being a bum child. Amen? That's what we're talking about. Amen. A deeper look at sanctification really quick. Number one, sanctification is the call to put off the old self. To put off the old self. One wrought with sin and put on the new self. One filled by the Spirit. It is the process of our hearts, minds, and desires being brought into greater conformity with God's. Sanctification is the Christian's growth in grace. We grow in grace. Grace is there because God knows you're going to mess up. But by his grace and his mercy, he comes down and he says, that's okay. Get back up and keep going. Just don't go back to that old life. Just keep going. Just keep going. Number two, sanctification means to become more Christ-like. An aspiration that seems all but impossible to reach to a lot of us. But the Lord calls all Christians to holiness and Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness. We're to be like him. That's the process of sanctification. It's an ongoing process. As we read the word, the more that we read about the character that we're supposed to exhibit, and we do that, that is sanctification. 1 Peter 1.15, Like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all of your behavior. 
Be holy in all of your behavior. Why does he put this here? It's not to take away our fun. It's to liberate you from the bondage of sin. It's because he knows what's good for you. Why do we tell our children, listen, every day you can't have for lunch and dinner, okay, ice cream and soda, okay, every time because it's not what? Good for you. It's just not. That's why. Not because I want to take away your fun for having the sweet stuff. I've got my sweet stash, but I can't overindulge on it. Why? Because it's not good for me. Last couple of days, I probably indulged a little too much. But, you know, that's another thing. That's another story. But we have to make sure that we understand that. We understand the principle that God did not put these rules here to take away our fun. Let me put it this way. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. Every time you have rules and you're not in relationship, you will rebel. Why do children rebel when they go off to college? Or why do they rebel when they get a little older? Why do they do it? Because we've not put enough emphasis on the relationship with God and we've put more emphasis on don't lie, don't steal, don't do this, don't do that. And we didn't put the emphasis on relationship and love. Do you know why you don't tell a lie? It's not because God's law says not to. It's because you're going to hurt somebody that you're lying to. It's all about love. We need to teach our children there's one commandment that Jesus had, which is to love others. If we do that, we will start seeing a change in our children in the body of Christ as they grow older. Hebrews 10, 14, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Are you perfected? Are you being sanctified? More next week on sanctification. We'll talk about faith as well. Let's all stand. There is so much here to, you know, these truths. And the reason we do this is because it liberates us. The Word of God liberates. It does not constrain. It makes you free. That's what the scripture says. It says the truth makes you free. It makes you free. In other words, you don't have a choice. You start getting truth, you're free. How many knows that, you know, when you start believing something or something the culture says or this or that, and they have all these things out here now and the things they say, and then you find out what the real truth is. I can only imagine, you know, earlier when I was talking about the Dead Sea Scrolls with our young people here, that when those were found and discovered and they carbon dated those suckers, you know, I can only imagine what all of these, uh, you know, professors, you know, have been teaching, what they were thinking when it came out that it was fact. It was a fact. The Old Testament was written beforehand. And they've been teaching a lie all that time. Teaching a lie. What did that do to them? I know what it would have done to me. I'd have got on my knees. Amen. I'd have got on my knees. But church, when we get truth, when we understand, we get it liberates. Amen. And we need to walk in that newness of life. How many here that can say this morning, hey, TJ, I, I, I need a little bit more of that newness of life, that kind of attitude. How many could just say that? You know, I need some of that. All right, well, let's, let's go ahead. Let's just keep our hands in the air and let's just pray and agree for that right now before we go. Father, this morning, we just thank you and we just praise you, first of all. Lord, we thank you for coming to the cross and dying for us, for shedding your blood for us. Yes, 
Lord, we saw that truth and we believe it. We say we believe it now. And we know that we have been justified. Therefore, we have been liberated. We have been free to walk in newness of life. And Lord, as we go from here, every step, Lord, I thank you, is ordered by you. That we would walk in a liberation Lord, that others, when they see, they say, what is going on with you? That they would even see it, a difference in our step. Lord, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory. Lord, as, as, we, are, uh, as we come into these truths, Lord, that we're able to advance the kingdom because others see the truth in us. And they want to know more about it even. And right now, just lift up that family member, that coworker, that neighbor, that one that you want to see come into this same truth that you have. Let's do that now. Lord, we just lift up every neighbor, every friend. Lord, all the coworkers, family members, we just stand in the gap for them right now. Lord, we thank you just as we were justified. We proclaim and we say by faith that they will be justified as well. Lord, as they will come into the truth, we stand believing by faith now that those that we love will come to the saving knowledge of Christ and join the family. Lord, we give you praise. We give you glory and honor in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? God is good. Hallelujah. Amen.